0: Hello, Mamacitas. Welcome to the Natural Birth Co Podcast. Super pumped for you to be here today because I am actually being interviewed on this podcast by Caitlin from Her Women's Health Physio and she is interviewing me on the hormonal process of birth and how we can enhance it naturally. So, This, I just absolutely adore this podcast because the hormonal process of birth and how to naturally enhance it is a massive kind of foundation to how we go about all of our birth prep. So something that I really embody here at Natural Birth Co. with all of our birth prep is that we don't know anything that is outside of you. Nothing that is outside of you is required for you to birth a lot of what we focus on with our birth prep is how to cull the noise so you can listen to your own body and your own intuition to be able to birth with your own devices which this day and age can be a lot trickier with you know birth in the hospital setting and all of these kind of Stories about birth that circulate out there. So really culling back that crap and allowing you to move forward intuitively into your own birth story. So when it comes down to the hormones, a lot of the partner preparation and a lot of your mental preparation is... Surrounded by how to get those hormones to be on track because once those hormones are on track naturally, the rest of your birth will just flow on its own, and this will impact your contraction efficiency, this will impact um, how baby moves down and through the pelvis, this will impact your breastfeeding journey. So much good stuff. So I really hope you enjoy the podcast. I think you're going to gain a lot of insight to it and also a lot of insight on a lot of the foundations of what we use here at Natural Birth Code to help mamas and their partners prepare for a natural birth experience. Birth affirmation of today. I can handle this. My body would not give me a labor that I cannot handle. This labor is not bigger than me. It is me. This podcast is brought to you by Natural Birth Co. We help women and their partners prepare physically and mentally for a natural and empowering birth experience. With pregnancy yoga, Pilates and workshops, all led by our registered midwife, we have a studio here on the Sunshine Coast, Australia. Otherwise, all of our services are available online. You can learn more at naturalbirthco.com. If you wish to advertise on this podcast, you can visit naturalbirthcode.com forward slash pregnancy dash podcasts. Now enjoy this ad free episode.
1: Good afternoon, listeners. Today, I'm joined by the beautiful Amy Polinich from Natural Birth Co. She is a midwife, a yoga and Pilates instructor and supports women to birth naturally. Thanks so much for joining us. Pleasure to be here. So today on the podcast, Amy is going to share her midwifery wisdom with us all about the hormones that help promote natural birth. Perfecto. Love that. So Amy, can you give me a little bit of a spiel of what hormones are important when it comes to birth and the process of labor?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I absolutely love having this conversation with mamas because I feel a lot of our birth prep does actually surround how to enhance the natural hormones of birth. So when we talk about the hormones of labor and birth, we have three main ones that I like to talk about. Prolactin is a really important hormone for the maternal side of things. So when it comes to prolactin, it starts to increase at pregnancy. We have an acceleration at about 28 weeks. And then when the actual crowning of babe's uh, babe's head happens at the end of birth, when the perineum is blossoming beautifully around baby's head, we get a massive spike of prolactin at that time. So prolactin is actually the maternal and nurturing hormone. So that's what really creates this epic bond between mum and bub. That's why you go pick them up when they're a 16-year-old rat bag at a party that's run away, but you go get them anyways because you just have this epic unconditional bond with them. Now, prolactin is also a really great hormone for lactating. So when we have great amounts of prolactin, we're often able to create amazing amounts of breast milk, which obviously feeds babe after birth. So having that spike at the crowning can really help with the initiation of your lactation supply. So um, next most important hormone about birth is actually our oxytocin hormone. So oxytocin is the love and connection hormone. And to feel loved and connected, to receive this beautiful oxytocin surges, we need to also feel safe, undisturbed and unobserved. So this oxytocin hormone, it actually releases in these amazing waves. So it increases slowly, 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 it peaks and then it troughs. And then we get this beautiful break in between these surges. Now this is actually really important and this is why the body is designed so beautifully to labor is because oxytocin is the smooth muscle contractor and the uterus that our baby inhibits is a smooth muscle. So as we get these amazing surges of oxytocin throughout our labor, when we're feeling loved and connected, safe, undisturbed, and unobserved, we get these epic surges of oxytocin, which creates an amazing contraction, pushing baby down and through the pelvis, and then when the oxytocin subsides, as does the contraction. So then both babes gets a really good breather in between contractions, as does mom, which is super important for both mom and bob to have that breather to be able to have a safe vaginal birth. And this is actually really a quite important distinction when we're talking about induction and oxytocin is that oxytocin comes in these beautiful waves, whereas an induction is more of a continual release of the same amount of hormone over a long period of time. So that's really fascinating. Um, we might edit this a touch. Yeah,
1: that's fine. <laughs>
0: Um, yes so same as with the prolactin that i mentioned earlier when we do have that amazing crowning of baby as they descend into the vagina and the perineum blossoms we get an amazing surge of um, oxytocin as well so that again you imagine at that crowning we've got this surge of prolactin maternal nurturing hormone this surge of oxytocin which is the love and connection hormone and then this tiny little human comes up onto your chest and they're receiving all the same hormones as you through the placenta and it that creates that really epic little connection or I call our appitance bond um, in that moment after birth. So that's really great for that hormonal release. Now, when it comes to beta endorphins, Beta endorphins are amazing and they are released in succession with your oxytocin. So this is another amazing benefit of oxytocin is that it is so smart that it crosses the blood-brain barrier. So when it crosses that blood-brain barrier, we get an equal amount of beta endorphin being released at the same time. So now beta endorphins is the exact same beta endorphins that releases when we exercise. After a run, you feel amazing. After the marathon of birth, you feel such a high after birth because you've just got these amazing amounts of beta endorphins flooding your mind. So when it comes to the more oxytocin we have, the stronger the contraction, but then also the more beta endorphins we have, which again, we're so beautifully designed like that because yes, we experience more pain, but then more of it's covered up by the beta endorphins. So beta endorphins has two main focuses during labor is that first of all, it is an epic pain reliever. So it's actually 20 times stronger than morphine. So oh, wow. beta endorphin, yeah, crazy. Hey, beta endorphins really allows us to cope with that pain in labor as well. Again, that's another difference between an induction that's important to notice is that syntocinam, which is the drug that Mimics oxytocin doesn't cross that blood brain barrier, so we don't get that same beta endorphin release. Now, when um, we have beta endorphins as well, the second main role that that has is that it really helps cloud our frontal lobe, which doesn't sound that important. However, it is actually so important, right? So, our frontal lobe is our logical mind where we analyze things, we make decisions, we're aware of time, and This is a great thing. This is what separates us from a lot of animals. However, being in our frontal lobe is not exactly where we want to be during birth. When we're in our frontal lobe during birth, we're very aware of the time. We're like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this for eight hours. When's this going to be over? We're thinking, how the heck is a baby going to fit out of my vagina? We're stressing about all this stuff, analyzing everything, rather than um, being in our intuitive state of mind. Birth is the most intuitive and instinctual thing we will ever do. It is not something that needs to be logically analyzed. We can leave that up to the midwives looking after us. It is not something that needs to be logically analyzed by the birthing woman. So we need to really descend into our reptilian mind. And in this space, we're able to move intuitively. We're able to be present. We're able to get lost in that labor land, lots of people call it, where we're super present and um, yes, yeah, super intuitive in that time. So there was one more point that I wanted to say about that. Oh yeah, that's what I was going to say. The beta endorphins, because that being in that place, being in that intuitive place is almost like a meditative space, right? Which lots of people can struggle to get into, myself included. However, the beta endorphins really helps this for even people who don't meditate at all, because it helps cloud that frontal lobe, creating a foggy mind where we can't really have the composition in our mind to make these decisions. So many women in labor, they're kind of, you know, they're, they're present, they're in the in the logical space and we're asking them questions and they simply can't come up with an answer that they end up being like, I don't know, just do whatever you think because they just can't get their minds to work and their brains to work when afterwards they're like, why would I say that? Why would I consent that? Or what was I thinking? Um, but the poor things they weren't thinking because the, mind, the hormones don't let them. So yeah, that's super interesting about beta endorphins now.
1: And I can imagine if a woman is in that reptilian brain, it really comes down to the importance of having these conversations with her birthing partner before she goes into labour. A hundred percent.
0: Yeah, absolutely. freaking And we'll actually talk about that in a sec as well, but actually, no, let's dig to a now to it. So when we're talking about, enhancing these hormones for birth. So, you know, wanting to enhance these natural hormones of oxytocin and beta-endorphins so that we can continue to progress through labour naturally, avoiding interventions. Exactly as you said, a massive part of not interrupting that reptilian mind and that intuitive state is asking minimal questions to the birthing woman. We don't want to, every single request or question have to be asking the birthing woman. The care provider, hopefully the midwife, is talking to the birth partner who is able to already know the answers that she wants and tell the midwife. And on top of that as well, I'm a massive believer, and I know birth preferences get a really bad rap. I'm just such a massive believer of having preferences in the ideal scenario. This is what I want. Obviously, when things change, we can talk about it, but going in with some birth preferences so that hopefully the midwife doesn't even have to ask your birth partner because they've already got the massive role of having to support the mum. Emotionally, physically, mentally, all this sort of stuff. So ideally, he's not having to run off every time they're wanting to be like, it's time for a vaginal exam, it's time for this, it's time for that. So yeah. They've had these conversations before. Absolutely. Yeah, in so many different forms leading up to birth.
1: Absolutely. So can you tell us how a woman throughout labour would promote the release of these hormones? What sort of things would she be doing or would her partner be doing?
0: Absolutely. So first of all, going back to oxytocin, the love and connection hormone that we have to feel safe and undisturbed and unobserved, we would be doing oxytocin stimulating techniques. So that's a bunch of things such as making her feel loved and connected, supporting her emotionally, supporting her physically, breathing with her, moving with her, being super present with her. And this is all dependent on on what the mom needs from you at that time. Some mamas want that. Some mamas want to be more left alone. But you just being present and available for when they need you is an oxytocin release in itself because that's you being supportive and present to her in that laboring journey. That is both of your journeys, not just mummers Like it's just as important for the dad and he can have just as much positive impact and receive just as much negative implication from a positive or negative experience in birth. So yeah, the birth partner giving the mama that love and connection, being really with her, being really supportive of her in any kind of of the ways that she desires. So go for it. <laughs> um So that could look like massage, that could look like tickles, that could look like simply holding her during a contraction, holding her hand during a contraction. I even had a mama in a birth workshop the other day. It was her second time, babe. And she was saying in her first birth, she just wanted her husband to rub her ears constantly. She just loved that for some weird reason. It was so funny. And then she said she just had a babe the other day and she constantly went back to her partner, if in doubt, just rub my fucking earlobes. (laughs) So good. So yeah, making the mum feel loved and connected. And then in the sense of making mama feel safe, undisturbed and unobserved, first of all, we can break down the birth environment. So this will be things like what environment surrounding mama that when she opens her eyes and looks around or when her ears are listening, what is going to make her feel calm, safe, undisturbed and unobserved? So is the lighting maybe dim? Is there nice coming music that she particularly likes? Is there a nice scent running that she likes? um, obviously no distractions that are around her, no TVs, no reels or any of that shit, like keeping it really quiet and safe. Um, secondly, what's her birth team like? So she might have just her partner there. She might even have a mom or a sister have made it into the birth space. So she needs to feel really safe, undisturbed and unobserved with those people. If they're a little bit distant, maybe they're, you know, the ones that are, almost forcing themselves upon the birth and you don't necessarily want them there. You don't think that they're going to allow you to feel really in the zone. It's so important for them to not be there. It is so important. You need to feel comfortable getting nude around them, making whatever noises you need to make, moving in whatever weird ways that you feel called to without in the back of your mind, oh my gosh, my." mother-in-law's just over there. She's going to think I'm a weirdo or whatever it is, because that will, whether you consciously know it or not, that will subconsciously stop you from doing the intuitive things your body's Mm -hmm. asking you to do. And those intuitive things are so important, even if it's the most minute crooking of a hip or a really deep moan out of nowhere, it is your body telling you exactly what you need to do to birth this baby. So you need to not hesitate. You need to not be on your logical mind and think, oh, I will feel like doing this, but that's a bit weird. You need to just fucking go. You just need to get into that intuitive state and do exactly what it tells you. So another thing is your, um, not so much your birth team, but your birth support. So who's looking after you? And I'm a massive advocate for always having someone looking after you, either a midwife or a obs and gyne, but um Is your midwife being really respective of your birth preferences? Are they respecting your boundaries? Are they simply informing you, which is their job but not? pushing upon you um, what you don't want to do and what they know that you don't want to do. That is really important to feel safe. If, you know, we're getting kind of all these mixed messages, if they're, you know, giving handover in the room, if they're coming in and turning the lights on and having small talk with you or your, bir- or your birth partner, that's just not on. That's that's not, um, that's not an Enough oxytocin fueling space. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, and I want to preface as well that this is all discretionary, discretionary to what you feel as the birthing woman. I have had a woman before um, and I'm sure there's plenty more out there that, you know, she quite enjoyed making small talk in between contractions with the mid, with the midwives. And like, if that works for you, you do you, there's definitely no right or wrong way. It's just about feeling into what works for you. I feel, and you can never judge um, until you're in it, but I feel for myself I would be very much like silent space, don't want small talk. I don't want to be finding out what you're up to on the weekend or anything like that. I just want to be in my birth space, which I think is the same for a lot of women too. Um, so yes, our birth support and the midwife caring for her. So other, um, I guess, more simple things as well is things like acupressure points you can do to stimulate oxytocin, things like clary sage oil to stimulate oxytocin, Um, and yeah, lots of different bits and pieces like that.
1: And so how does this hormone relate to sex and orgasm? Like if we, a lot of the things that you've described are obviously, you know, feeling safe, private, Mm -hmm. undisturbed, unobserved, uh, the the very same conditions that most people (laughs) would probably (laughs) prefer in an intimate setting. Yeah. So is it things like that, that we're just bringing into the birth space?
0: Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. What they always say, like, what is it? What it takes to make a baby? It takes to birth a baby. So, it's the same thing, and it's the exact same hormone as you say. So, the spike in orgasm is a massive release of oxytocin, which is why you know us women are more prone to falling in love with a one night stand rather than the man, typically speaking, um, because we release this massive surge of love and connection with our oxytocin throughout that orgasm and mummers, just as a little excitement, the birth orgasm or spike in oxytocin is actually, it's something like 10 times more than the amount of oxytocin you release wow. in the average orgasm. So it's, yeah, it's a massive release of oxytocin that you get in that space.
1: And how about um, actually being intimate in the birth room?
0: That's an interesting question. I um, I don't necessarily teach that or even advocate for that but it's definitely it's definitely a thing people do and if they want to do it good for them I've heard of women using vibrators in the birth space I've heard of women doing all sorts of different masturbation techniques and it's a good way if you're not vibing with your midwife to keep them out of the room (laughs) I've never experienced in my time in birth suite a woman doing it um (laughs) but, or at least that I know of, but it is meant to be a really great way to release that oxytocin. It's essentially, that's all it is, oxytocin release. And yeah, orgasm is oxytocin. So you can absolutely do that sort of stuff in your birth space if that's your style, for sure. (laughs) Do you think you will? (laughs) Sounds like you maybe thought about it. No. (laughs) I actually did listen. I remember actually... Years ago, before I started my business and I was learning about all this natural birth stuff, I watched... I can't remember her name now, but orgasmic birth, the movie. Mm. Fuck, it was funny. Oh, hey. I haven't seen it. Oh, it is so good. It's such good quality. And essentially, just going on about exactly what I just said, but all these women and their birth stories and the stories in it were so <laughs> funny as to how they went about these different <gasps> masturbation techniques. Wow. It was a crack up. <laughs> it was impressive.
1: <laughs> I think, like, if, if I was home birthing and the midwife wasn't there, then yeah,
0: sure. Absolutely. Probably with... Like, with my partner, not, yes, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. And even, um, which I think we'll get to in a sec, but let's tangent, where that can help bring on sex, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, um, sorry, sex can help bring on labor. So, same as all that sort of stuff. If you're trying to start labor, if you're waiting around, if, you know, you're going well overdue and you're on the brink of a um, medical induction, to be honest, I'd fucking always be getting out the vibrator. (laughs) (laughs) so funny why not so funny (laughs) absolutely so when it comes to uh, in summary to promote oxytocin we need to feel loved and connected and feel safe undisturbed and unobserved in regards to the beta endorphins honestly a lot of that really overlaps with what we just talked about but i'm going to add a couple of things with the beta endorphins is that for us to be able to stay in our reptilian state of mind, for us to be able to stay intuitive and in flow with birth, we need to really not be pulled out of that reptilian state of mind. So this is things like not asking the birth woman so many questions. This is things like not being firm and directive to her. So as an example, what I say to our um, birth partners is rather than asking her do you want some water? Just put the water bottle in front of her and she'll take it if she's thirsty, she'll leave it if she's not. Like, Try to avoid asking questions as much as you can. Another thing is to speak in really soft voices. So if you're speaking to her or to the midwife, speak in really soft voices. Even if you're concerned about something in particular or the midwife wants to talk to you, you can go outside of the room and have that conversation so that we're not intruding on that mama's beta endorphin state doing things like hiding the clock so she can't see. Unfortunately at SCOO, which is the hospital I work at, Sunny Coast Uni Hospital, they have these massive bright red digital clocks on the wall. And we quite often throw like a baby cloth or something over it because it's just really obvious for the birthing woman. And she doesn't need to be reminded of how long she's been in labor. Um, Yeah. Anything else to stop bringing mama out of that space. Even things like if you think about monitoring, monitoring has so many different sides to it, which it's definitely not good or bad, but there's so many different things to consider when we're accepting that monitoring or we're taking part in an intervention that requires that monitoring. So monitoring in itself, the beeping of it really pulls you out of that intuitive mind. So many mamas will complain about Um, Like after birth, the fact that the monitoring's annoying them so much, or even during the birth, they'll be like, Can we just turn those sounds off? Um, And then also, what comes with that as well is that you're always looking up at the screen. And in our case, we're often looking at a CTG, which is like this graph. So then the mum is always, you know, whenever she hears the heart rate go low or fast, she's looking up at the numbers. Oh, bubs, heart rate's at 180. Is that okay? And that's just such a frontal lobe thought. We, like that is just constantly pulling that mama out of that intuitive mind. And even um, a mama that we actually both look after and we both saw recently, she was telling me with her first birth, um, everything was amazing, natural, normal. Um, and for whatever re- her pushing phase was quite long. I think it was like two and a half hours, but it made sense because her waters were still intact. And this was the only part that she said her beautiful birth partner was like fucking annoying and pulling her out of her spaces because he kept asking like, babe, you're still pushing. Is this going to be over soon? And she's like, I don't fucking know. Like, why are you asking me? So like those sort of questions, like fair call of him to be wondering, but she doesn't know. And like, even if she did know, don't ask her because that's just completely pulling her out of her intuitive mind. Um, so yeah, there are hot tips for staying in that bitter endorphin state.
1: And what about prolactin? how would we?
0: Yeah. So essentially just letting shit flow naturally. Um, Not really a lot else will encourage it that I know of, um, will encourage that to flow during birth or anything like that. Plus it's not super duper important for it to flow for the sake of having a natural birth. It's just really great um, if we can have a vaginal birth to get that epic release of um, prolactin at the end. And like you know, to be fair, if um, women did even have instrumental birth with vacuums or forceps, they would still get that perineal stretch and they would still get that oxytocin and um, prolactin. Launch. And so, in the
1: case of a caesarean, is that prolactin surge not as apparent?
0: Yes. Yep. That's definitely like one of the risks of a caesarean section is that. Your milk could take longer to come in. It definitely does. And I, uh, to be honest, I'm not too sure of the stats behind this. And if anyone listening knows, we'd love to hear from you. But you don't get that prolactin release with a cesarean section. So mummers with cesarean sections, the stats are higher for their milk to just be delayed. It still comes in, but they might be towards the five, six day mark rather than the three day mark, which is when it's um, you know more normal for that milk to be coming in. So. And as a quick heads up for those who don't know, when you birth, you initially have what we call colostrum in the breast, which is really, really, really small amounts of um, colostrum that is super nutrient dense, super great for lining baby's gut, lining their um, immunity, all that sort of stuff. However... At about day three is when we get the big dogs come in of the massive breasts and the massive surge of milk. And that continues to grow usually over a couple of days until it levels itself out. So when we talk about getting that milk in, it's often because baby needs to start gaining some weight. So when we're talking about that milk coming in, being delayed, sometimes in that Couple of days, we might need to give a couple of bottles of formula or donor milk or something like that. Um, which, if that's the case, that is so fine. Like you're going to be fine and your baby's going to be fine. I just I see so often is that you know we can put so much fixation and stress on giving this one bottle of formula. But honestly, if that just ties you over until your milk decides to come in, whenever that happens naturally for you. It's definitely not the end of the world. It's definitely doesn't have to be a very big deal. It doesn't have to necessarily ruin their latch. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, amazing.
1: And so that definitely gives our listeners so many helpful tools to understand why it is that we're doing the things that we're doing to protect that birth space, to sort of change that environment, to make them feel supported and safe undisturbed. And, and what about in the case of the hormones that help with the initiation of a spontaneous labor? Absolutely.
0: Yes. Yeah. So kind of like natural induction techniques. We something that I want to preface as well is that at the end of the day, induction's induction. So whether we're doing it naturally or whether we're doing it medically, we're still kind of rushing a natural process to happen before it's quite ready. So just something that is important to keep in mind, um, because sometimes we can have a bit more of an annoying effect when attempting to start labor, um, naturally, than we can have a good effect. So, and I'll give a story in a sec, but Some really great natural induction techniques can be things like um, acupressure, and I'll just list some things that you guys can do at home. Um, Obviously, there's heaps of paid things that you can do, but acupressure, so you can do the ankle point, the SP6 point, you could do the GB21 point, which is on the top of the shoulders. Um, And you can also do the liver four point, which is um, between the thumb and the pointer finger. So they're really great points to do and you can just Google them and there's heaps of stuff out there to show you like where to find the points. Um, And you can even get your partner to do them as well. Things like red raspberry leaf tea um, can be a really great one to do. Actually, our friend um, Nina from Nurture does a really great red raspberry leaf tea. Um, also clary sage can be a really good one, which is an essential oil. You can either diffuse it, rub it on your belly, um, put it into these pressure points. Um, sex is another good one. Nipple stimulation is another good one for the same reason as sex. Um, although I wonder what you think about this because I like some people really like nipple stimulation, but there's some people out there that don't like nipple stimulation, like sexually. So I wonder if for them, They're not getting that oxytocin release, so therefore it's not that beneficial. That would make sense, hey? Mm. Yeah, I always wondered that. Um, What are some other great ones? Well, I'm a massive advocate for having balance in the ligaments because Mm. when we're balancing the ligaments, our baby's head can engage in the pelvis and put pressure on the cervix, allowing the cervix to soften, open, become more flexible, shorten and mature so that labor can start when it's ready. The body is so smart and intuitive. And if the body knows that the baby's not in the right position or able to engage into the pelvis because of tight ligaments, it often prolongs labor waiting for babe to be able to engage. But that'll only happen for so long before the body just puts you into labor. Um, And yeah, there are a bunch of the techniques. Now, what's something that's interesting is that And like, this only happens to a small amount, but even for example, um, one of my mamas that birthed recently was her second babe. For her first babe, she was talking about how she had sex in uh, around 40 weeks or something to try to encourage labor to happen. And what that did for her is that made her waters broke like almost instantly. um, And then labor didn't start. So then she's kind of left with this really awkward space of where we've got prolonged rupture of membranes now, should we do antibiotics? Should we get induced? And they ended up getting induced, and then didn't have the great experience from there. So, you know, and and you know, I'm an advocate for sex for um, natural induction, but that is a risk that's important to know about. And what's another risk for all of this sort of stuff, Clary Sage Tea, pressure points, as well, is that we're encouraging oxytocin to flow, but what can often happen is we create this irritable uterus that is just irritatingly small 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 contractions that aren't progressive towards your baby moving down but they keep you awake constantly and that doesn't sound like a big deal but if that's going on for like five days before labor even starts you're entering birth mentally exhausted and physically exhausted before the fucking games even started Mm -hmm. And that can be a massive issue. And this is something that I really don't think is actually covered enough at all in birth preparation is how to conserve our physical and mental strength because they are two of the three reasons that I see a mama tap out of her birth that she desires, which is a natural birth, into something like an epidural or a cesarean section that she doesn't need or want is because they're either one, physically exhausted, two, mentally exhausted, or three, not quite able to handle the pains of labor anymore. All three valid, valid reasons um, to want to tap out of that natural birth that you wanted, but we can really, really avoid all those three things. And having an ir- irritable uterus doesn't help with the first two things.
1: Yeah, interesting.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yes.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing all of your wisdom with all of our beautiful mamas. Hopefully, you guys got something out of it. Um, you can find more information about Amy at Natural Birth Co. You're running regular workshops for birth preparation as well as a workshop called How to Cope with Pain in Labor. Uh, and she has a whole timetable of prenatal and postnatal Pilates and yoga classes. So,
0: yeah, definitely check her out. Perfect. Thanks so much for having me, Caitlin. No worries. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you being here. All of our podcasts are recorded live in the Facebook group, so you are not only the first to listen to the podcast, but you are able to ask questions throughout the podcast. If you wish to jump into the Facebook group, the link is in the show notes. I would really appreciate if you left a five-star written review, shared this podcast with someone who would appreciate, or even share your recent listen on your social stories. Talk to you soon.